few people that made a tiny indie game still looks just as good <laughs> as the huge AAA game. Jet Set Radio looks as good, if not better, than God of War Ragnarok, right? Because the aesthetic made sense with the design of the game and the cohesion of the scene, and it created a feeling. Resident Evil 4, one of the most beautiful things I've ever played, but I can still say Signalis which is a lower budget, smaller indie developed survival horror game is incredible looking too, for its own reasons. Suit your look to the, the content or the style of your game. And, and I think you'll find success. Welcome to Rise Above, an original podcast series by Ascendant Studios, where we share insights and inspirations from industry leading creators. I'm Tess, the community content manager at Ascendant and your host. Today, we chat with Scott Kester, co-founder and art director at Ruckus Games. Scott was a comic book artist and avid gamer when he decided to make a small video game with a friend, which led to a job at Gearbox and the opportunity to create unforgettable characters that continue to inspire, uplift, and entertain millions of people today. Scott created beautiful art for the entire Borderlands franchise, art directed Battleborn and Borderlands 3, and is now working on something extra special with his team at Ruckus. He's had an amazing experience in the industry so far and has a ton of great insights to share. Thank you so much, Scott, for joining us. I appreciate it so much. I know our audience will appreciate it so much for you taking this time out to talk to us and tell us about your story and the industry. So without further ado, let's get started. What was your relationship to video games as a kid like did you start playing when you were really young was your family supportive of your interest yeah so the first thing i played was an atari 2600 and my father had brought one home and uh it was you know once one button on the joystick and we popped in it came with combat and uh, we had picked up a game called air sea battle and some other things along the way so like i was hooked immediately my 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 dad and my brother, my brother is seven years older than me. So in that era, in that period, games were, you know, really kind of taking off. And my father was always interested in that too. So we started playing together. Heck, even my mom played uh, with us, which she, she doesn't anymore, nor does my dad so much. But uh, yeah, they were really supportive of it. And uh, man, I, got, I was hooked, like, <laughs> like bad. And uh, I think a game pitfall, if anybody's played that, that was the one when I played it, it was like a narrative to, to me, right? It was you were doing, so you weren't just shooting blocks or, you know, little spaceships, which I still love to do. But it was like, I'm a character and I'm on a mission in this. So my, my parents were, they never really told me to stop playing. <laughs> but I also kind of self-regulated okay. But like, they're really supportive and my friends were too. We were, we were all bit by the bug, you know, from the 2600 onward to the NES and everything up through today and uh i've stayed with it obviously <laughs> and i just knew right at that moment when i touched that and i when i played that it was it was really life-changing for me and it was like oh man i never thought i could do it because i didn't think it was real you know i thought it was <laughs> this you know these were things that were made by fairies or magicians in the woods and they just existed i didn't realize humans created these because they you know there's no you know what I'm saying? So anyway, yeah. yeah, I was, uh, I wasn't really like, yeah, go. They weren't like, yay, you're playing video games, but they didn't tell me to stop. <laughs> and, uh, they could tell it was something I really was into and I was always a creative kid. And, and I saw so much in those things. So anyway. That's so cool. 
a little bit of a follow up, but they, how do they feel about your career now? Are they like really proud? I, yeah, yeah, I think it's, I, I still don't think they know what I do. Um, but <laughs> if that makes any sense, but like, oh, yeah, I think that they're just like, wow, you can make a living doing that, or you can support your, your, you can live or support your family and stuff. So they've been very supportive of it. And, uh, when I try to show them certain things or that, it's, you know, kind of a, okay, that's cool. Like, I don't really understand <laughs> what that means and how it translates and how it creates this, but like, we're real happy for you, you, you know? So it's, it's never been a negative thing in my life, which is, I've been really, you know, and I've got kids myself and they're already hooked on stuff. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it, it's been a good thing. So for sure. Well, as long as they're supportive, that's really, really cool. And I'm sure it helped to kind of have them be supportive along the way of you getting into the industry. How did that actually come about? Like, how did you end up getting started? See, the, <laughs> this is the funny thing. Like, I, I didn't go to school to do this. Schools didn't exist for this when I was, I'm showing my age here, you know, uh, especially when I say it's hard with a 2600, where I talk to people, it was like, the N64 was my first console or something. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, we all start somewhere. So I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. Uh, <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't working out so well. I was decent, but I wasn't that good. And I was senior in, in high school and I really, I, I focused towards art and I went into communication design, AKA commercial art. But I was doing that, that segued into the comic book industry. And there was a, I got an internship at a small group. There's a place called Hi-Fi Color Design. Awesome dude, Brian Miller, he's still doing it. And they were coloring and assisting comic books. So I started doing that. And that was my then I transitioned to my job, which was cool because I was working on X-Men. I was working on Cable, Wolverine, like a lot of Marvel stuff, some DC stuff. It was really neat. Well, I was doing that and I was coloring comic book pages and stuff. I, I had a friend of mine that I met in college <laughs> that we were in this interactive media program that was like uh, it wasn't making games, but it was like uh there was an old Macromedia before, before Adobe bought it, a program called Director. And it was like a interactive, like, it, you know, like it was like a program that you could like build something that like, I don't know, like a bank would use or that would give a presentation oh. or something. It was, it was, it was a weird program, <laughs> but you could do stuff with it. And, and then I was making video games inside of PowerPoint and my teachers were baffled because they were like, what is this? I was putting video in and I was doing this. But anyway, they always knew I was a little odd <laughs> in, in that thing. But while I was in the comic side of things, which I loved and I still love comics and was so appreciative of my path there. My friend Jason Shields and I, who we we had met in college and we shot all these videos and made movies and he was in a band and it was all sorts of fun stuff. We decided to like in our spare time build a, a video game and we did it with what we knew we built it in flash uh, rest in peace flash it doesn't exist anymore but like we made a turn-based battle strategy like isometric game something like final fantasy tactics or you know uh there there was a game we really liked called well people know fire emblem now but there was a game we really liked called vandal hearts it was a it was a konami game a isometric turn-based battle like disgaea or something so we made this game in our spare time and i was in the comic book scene so i would go to comic book conventions to either do signing or try to hawk my wares or something so we would bring this game with us and we set up a website and it was like free to play 
you know, it was only like four or five hours long, but we built these pitch books and we did all this stuff with it. And whenever anybody would come by our booth, we would give them free flyers to, to, Hey, go check out our game. We had leaderboards and stuff, you know, none of this exists. The game was funny enough called division, not like Ubisoft's division. This was years and years before this. Right. And it was like, uh, if you were going to be stormtroopers in star Wars, you oh, know, cool. it, but in a RT, but in a turn-based strategy game, because every one of those games was fantasy. So we were like, we'll do a sci-fi one. Nice. Well, we made this, we made this game. It was actually pretty cool. Like uh, it was pretty neat. It was, you know, a little hinky cause it's, you know, like a, <laughs> a flash game two guys made, but Jason did all the audio and made it work. I, I did almost all the art, a lot of the effects, and, you know, we worked together to do this, but we've made this game, and some people started to, like, there was, like, business people sometimes at these cons that were like, you've got something here, there's value in content, that was one of the first things we ever, when we were like, what, you know, and so we said, well, hey, let's pitch this. We wanted to put it on the DS, the Nintendo DS, because we felt like it was an appropriate thing. We we made this book. It was like a full page. It was like 30 pages, color, back and forth, all the characters and stuff. We sent it to like 60 or 70 companies. It was a ton at the time. We just went through, and this is like not when you could do this, you know? Like there was obviously the internet, but like there wasn't, you know? And we sent it, and we got responses from three companies, one of them was was Gearbox though, and Randy Pitchford like specifically emailed Jason and I, and we're like, "Hey, I think what you got here is really cool. I'd like to talk to you guys." And we're kind of like, "Oh, sweet! Like that's sweet. That's that's cool. Like uh, we know who Randy is, you know." So he's like, "Why don't you?" We're from Kansas. I'm I'm a Kansas City uh, native. Jason was as well too. So we came down to Texas and. Uh, Basically, we went in kind of thinking, hey, all we wanted was advice on what to do with this game and how to get this onto the DS, which <laughs> we had no idea what the, we were doing, right? But he he's basically like, hey, would you guys like to work here? Like, literally, like, there. And we're like, we didn't apply for a job. We didn't expect a job. We never thought. And we were like, we both kind of looked at each other. He's like, well, you know, you guys think about it, <laughs> you know? And uh and we don't even know what we would really do. He was like, he could do interface, like UI and stuff. And I'm like, sure, because we, Jason was a web designer. I was a comic book. I, I mean, we we had done communication design and stuff. And basically, it's one of those things that we get in the elevator to go down. We look at each other. We just kind of movie. Wee! Like, we're like, oh, my gosh, we just got offered jobs, you know. And lo and behold, that's how we started. Jason and I came as like the UI team because they didn't have one. And frankly, <laughs> Jason is awesome. He's still at Gearbox, by the way. I transitioned, though, from just doing UI into concept art and art direction and so on and so forth, because that was my bigger passion. But that's how I got in, which is very atypical. But to me, it was like, build something that's of merit. And if people see that, like, that was our that was our application. That was our, you know, so it was it was really cool. <laughs> like, like it, we fell into it. We didn't like have a path that we, you know, we did it all in our spare time and then it became our full time. It's really funny because you're definitely not the first person to say that that's how they ended up in the industry. Actually, a ton of the people we've talked to so far actually ended up in the industry that same way. Like they just made but, something fun and, you know, it wasn't like crazy, yeah, you know, amazing or anything, but like it was complete and it was fun. And yeah. That got them jobs. And that's what the advice is always, <laughs> even now that there are educational programs. It's amazing. Sure. Sure. So you're yeah. not alone in that, which is no. really cool. I, yeah. I mean, 
Well, it was it, so different back then. It, yeah, it really was. And a lot of the guys I even work with today, Carl, who's with me at Ruckus with our startup, that's how he started at Gearbox. I mean, he started modding Max Payne, you know, and then they saw that and said, hey, and he came to work on Brothers in Arms. And, you know, there's just there's it's it's such a direct path. Like to me, when people are like, oh, how do I do this? It's like, just do it. Just build things. And I know that's harder than it is. to. It's harder than it is. But people want a magic bullet like take these steps it was like just work you know and build and that's what we did and but we never thought it was a possibility <laughs> to be honest <laughs> you know it was like what this is how it works but you so. got a cool opportunity and you ran yeah. with it and now yeah, yeah. you have your own awesome studio which i will totally ask about it's a true. little bit later <laughs> it's so cool i have a million questions about that so from the whole time that you, you know, made your own game and then worked at Gearbox and now running your own game, what are your top three favorite projects and why were they the best thing ever? So, you know, Borderlands 1 was like a really special game. I came in on that. Again, I was building the interface. Uh, and then when we were doing this art style shift, I was building interface stuff and I kind of like, <laughs> there's a recurrent theme with me at night i was like oh i'm gonna start drawing what i think these characters should look like like what if we're gonna change something and and there's a guy brian martell uh, who was kind of the chief visual like art sort of visionary you could say at, at gearbox he had talked it like i think he had saw something in me but like i was like hey i'm gonna just do this and I'm going to bring these drawings to you. So at night I would, I would interface by day and at night I would, I would draw these characters. So I started redesigning the characters that we had really crude, like ink drawings and stuff, but like there was a lot of heart in them and he saw those and the environment team was doing similar things. So basically we really got to like, <laughs> without the knowledge of the CEO, we went to the side and we built this little prototype of that. And 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 why I'm telling you this, why this is one of my most favorite things is because we really reinvigorated and changed the entire identity of the franchise in secret <laughs> and then brought it towards and, and brought it to even. And, and Randy was like, what are you doing? But this is pretty <laughs> awesome. And then we took it to 2K and they were like, what are you doing? Oh, but this is pretty awesome. So <laughs> that that game will always be very special. It was my first my first professional game, we'll say that. So it it had a lot of I don't know. I saw my actual lines in it. Like the beginning of the game starts and it's my actual art and and it was like, wow, like those are not just like a translation of my lines. Those are actually my lines and stuff and and it was really ah, it was crazy, you know. And then rolling into that, BL2 was in my opinion, it was the peak of what we could do at that time. We had a success with the first game, which none of us <laughs> internally thought was going to be successful because we really liked it. We were like, oh, this is a weird hybrid. It's a Halo. It's Diablo. It's a shooter. It's a looter. Like, what? But BL2 really just fired on all cylinders. It was really fun designing, you know, Handsome Jack and these characters. It was, you know, I still see these characters that I've worked on. You know, all of it. It wasn't just me. It was multiple people but that we worked on. We see people still dresses them. And it's it's just very, very life-giving, I guess. It's just, I don't know. It just, it just makes you feel proud that people endeared themselves so much to that. And then I'd say the third thing. So, yeah, those are kind of the same. That was like PL1, PL2. Oh, come on, man. But Battleborn, which unfortunately had met its demise, was a game I was 
very proud of. It was one that like I was the art director on. It was my first time as an art director because in BL1 and 2, I was, I mean, I was kind of doing visual direction, but it wasn't official. <laughs> you know, I was basically just a conceptual artist, which just that's, that's still an amazing thing to be. But Battleborn really was that first time that I don't know. Like, I love fighting games. Like, I, I love action games. I love characters. So it was like, sweet. I could only make four player characters or five or six if DLC counts and like BL2. But this was a game, oh, we're going to make like 30 characters. So we could really go wild. And, and I just really, I really loved that. I actually... <laughs> I'm not saying this to be ne I actually kind of didn't want to be on that project because I wasn't a big fan of MOBA-ish kind of stuff. But that was why internally I thought it would be really cool to work on because I was like, oh, I want to I want to know why these are awesome and I want to love this. So uh, and I did. It's actually probably my favorite game that I've actually made, even though no one can play it <laughs> anymore, you know, but, you know, like still we all there's a lot of people that have a lot of love for that project and uh, uh, <laughs> here and at Gearbox. And, and I know they'd love to continue to do something with it, but you know that's not entirely up to me so yeah i'd say yeah. those i i was art director of borderlands 3 and it was an awesome project but at that time i i kind of lumped that into my other <laughs> it was it was a great opportunity to do that but i i'd really say battleborn was probably my favorite experience just because it was the first time i made something 100 new from the ground up in the studio because borderlands was a weird <laughs> there was people had laid a foundation before I got my hands on it and I upgraded it uh, or upgrade. I mean, I guess depending on who you talk to, maybe I went to the side, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but like this, this was with a new, t with a team that was really hungry to make something new. It was really fun. And that's kind of what I'm doing now, which is fun as well too. But you know, that's a different story. So. I'm super excited to ask you about that stuff. We'll get there. I promise. No but I, I completely understand what you're talking about. Like I, I love Borderlands 1 and 2. I actually played 2 first. I had been streaming for about a week and not even a week. I think it was only a few days. And somebody came into my stream. I had like three viewers and one guy came in and he's like, so what kind of games do you like? And I told him I had mostly been playing EVE Online and then I tried a game called Portal and I fell in love with the whole first person thing. And then I wanted to play more stuff like that. So I and I started streaming because I just wanted people to talk to because I was so used to that from Eve. And my Eve friends suggested it. And he was like, you like Portal and you want first person stuff and you like personality. I think you might like a game called Borderlands 2. You should just download it. And I was like, sure, why not? And literally, I was so addicted. I played it for multiple 24-hour streams. I played it almost, not exclusively, but I played it as my main game. Probably the first year and a half of my stream. It's why my stream took off. Yeah. And I love it. And it's it's probably why I have a career. No, <laughs> because that, of that game. And my obsession with Maya. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. I can tell you stories about Bill and Maya. Uh, but, <laughs> really? But anyway. But anyway <laughs> like, <laughs> no, she's she's awesome. She's she's one of... She was my first full, like, siren from the ground up that I designed, too. Because Lilith cool. was an amalgamation of a lot of us that worked on that character. Uh, but Maya was, uh, you know, which, which was BL3. There was some... You know, there was some, oh, but you know, it's, it is, it is what it is, right? So <laughs> she was, we can curse on the show. She is the most badass character. Like, she's ever. great. I, yeah. I love she, her. She's my favorite siren by far. Uh, not just because of it was 
you know, my hand entirely. <laughs> That's not it. It's just, it's just her action skill and her, uh, you know, her appearance and stuff. So that was actually the first character we designed when we started Beale 2. And it was hard because I, I don't want to get political here, but about any time you, you design a guy, nobody really cares. The second you're designing a, a female, a lot of times, everyone has an opinion. <laughs> you're just kind of like, ah, but like, I'm so happy with the way she came out and the way she presented herself and felt and just her abilities. So, so awesome. So, you know. Yeah, I love the strength of all of the characters in Borderlands and Battleborn. Like, I loved Battleborn. I, I wish it was still a thing. You know, and that's I feel like thing. it was ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, we we were always, and this is something that's I've been always important to me is whatever the character is, whoever background, whatever, they're strong, they're independent, they're not a caricature, they're you know, they're people, you know, and they're better than a lot of the other. <laughs> I don't know. There's always a sense of integrity uh, that I wanted to portray in it, whatever character it was, and gearbox and the crew and the team that we worked with was always very receptive of that which was awesome we weren't really just trying to make a cookie cutter this you know we wanted to add depth and stuff so it's always nice to see that people you know if it was from the writing or if it was from the presentation or the abilities or just the whole thing it was yeah it was really cool so and, and i love to hear that you know people resonated so well with the characters and the and the games themselves because they're great games so what was your favorite character that you helped create and what makes them so awesome? <laughs> this, I've, I've been fortunate again to, to, to work on a lot of characters, but this is the one that I, I'm sure a lot of people are like, what? But like Zero is my favorite character. I love um, Zero. <laughs> and, and Zero to me, because it is showing my age again, I love G.I. Joe. Snake Eyes was the coolest character ever. Um, I love Storm Shadow. I love ninjas. I love stealth. I love people that are concealed and covered that are mysteries. That was my love letter to that, really. That was a controversial character internally because a lot of people were like, oh, it's I don't see a face. I can't relate. And I was like, that's what's cool, you know? And then I think it was Anthony Birch who was like, oh, it'd be spoken haikus. And we use these and we all kind of collectively jeremy cook who was the art director i believe was like oh he had like emoji you know emoticons and stuff that would like come off the face to communicate and it all just kind of like came together like there was but there were people that were like we can't make a character like this they're so boring and bland and i was like but no there's a whole generation of people that like uh, at least maybe i lump myself into this but like i just love stealth ninja concealed mysteries right and that that's probably why I like that character so much and laser katana and crap, you, you know, like it's just kind of like all those those elements that like I just kind of love. So those games were maybe the last time for me in my career that I always started traditionally before it went digital. You know, now I pretty much work totally digital just for the ease of it, you know, but like all that stuff is <laughs> is is documented on paper and like reams of actual pages and stuff. And it's funny, it's so antiquated now when people look at it, they're like, what is this tomb of, of you know, and it's like, well, people used to draw with a sketchbook. I mean, not to say people <laughs> still don't, but it was rare that now today, most concept artists, they just work completely digital, but I always had a scanner nearby. And, you know, so I've got all this stuff that anyway, whatever like i stood on a stage at pax with like a hundred some people dressed up 
like my characters getting married as characters that like were dressed like people. And it was like, I hope that, I hope that marriage existed still. I don't know. Uh, but like, it, it's one of those things that you're like, what is going on? Like this is, there's Gage standing next to, you know, Jack and Maya and, and you've got Tina over there. I, I wasn't fully responsible for Tina. That was again, some <laughs> other people, but I, I don't take credit for all these characters. Cause I didn't do all of them, but I, I did the majority of them. And it was just, a, I don't know, it was just so such a weird, like, this is weird, you know? Because when you're doing it, you're doing what you feel is right. Like, what for right for the character, you're following your heart. But, like, it's very intimate because it's, like, me and my sketchbook or my page and the people I'm working with. And you sometimes forget the wave or the splash it could or couldn't make, right? And it's you don't really want to think about that, though, because if that's your goal all the time, I feel like you're going to very intimidating. (laughs) Well, I feel like you're going to fail and then you're going to start building something that is just a fact. I don't know. Not you. You're trying to answer a question before it's been asked and, and it feels forced or something, you know? So I don't know. Like characters like Moxie, it's like, no one asked me to draw Moxie. We were working on that DLC too. And I was like, at night I was like, we need some sort of spokesperson for this DLC. Cause it was the, the, the fighting arena. Right. And I was like, I think this would be a cool character. And people went, that would be a cool character. And we just basically made that character. You know, there was not like a, Oh, let's make this Vixen style character. This, I was like, Oh, this would just be cool. And it was like us following our gut and our heart more so than like, you know, this perfect spreadsheet of make sure you tick these boxes and stuff. So anyway, sorry, I could ramble forever. I'll stop. (laughs) No, that's great. It's honestly really, really great. And, and like you, you inspired strength in people. You inspired a lot of really cool things in people. Cause Uh, I, I, I think, representation matters so much and just having someone really badass and really cool and this applies to literally all the characters like there's usually a character in Borderlands that I feel like almost anyone can find at least one character that they can relate to really well and all of the characters have this like incredible inner strength and like if I'm ever nervous I literally have in the back of my head Maya badass <laughs> just <laughs> so, like be that and then and then it helps I mean it's I've literally used that so like you you've given people aspirational examples I, I I appreciate that I mean it was a combination of a lot of people that pulled that together but like you know designing a character isn't just putting a costume on somebody it's designing it's the heart of them you know it's the embodiment of them and and I think a lot of people forget that and I think they just I don't know. You know what I mean? Like they just go, Ooh, we need a saucy character and we need a strong guy. Uh, Like when we did brick brick was concepted in like two days, it was built within like a a week and all those goofy little things meant something to us. The dog paws, the one and the two on his fist and like the pack of chew in his back pocket and like all (laughs) these things and the way things were taped, like even the back of his leg, there's like the stitch with duct tape on it. When I skated, there you know i my tip pants ripped and i put duct tape down the back of it thinking i'm like punk and cool but other you know but like all those things have stories and and i don't think people read i don't think they they feel it they don't really see it like they there's the embodiment of that and and that's something that's always been important to me with characters and you know putting soul and heart into things and stuff so i'm just thankful for kind words like you said and for the the love that the everyone out there that has found something in those characters because you leave a lot of corpses on the floor. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> but the ones that 
live, you know, I'm very thankful for. I mean, I wish some of those corpses still got up and walked around, but you know, that's <laughs> that's the thing I don't think people understand. You 80% of your work is never seen, you know, maybe 85, right? And it's that top little part that, you know, that makes the cut. And, you know, it's it's uh, just we're fortunate and <laughs> like so far. So, you know, you talked about a lot of really, really cool sort of positive things. And this could be positive, too. But what has been sort of your greatest challenge or your most difficult project that you've worked on and why was it challenging why was it hard like what was hard about it what did you learn i want to say that's battleborn <laughs> for okay. for you know a lot of ways uh, for a lot of reasons i mean it was doing something new it was it was building a moba that was an fps just it was a, it was just a very challenging project internally and you even saw as it came out it was somewhat misunderstood because it was combining things that don't typically go together. So we struggled a lot as a team. And also, if you see even what, what Overwatch 2 kind of talked about, the PvE kind of campaign, kind of, it was very hard to develop characters because we had to develop skill trees that worked in a single-player mode and a thing. So, like, I, I, Miko, like, as a healer, is not quite as useful if you're in a single-player environment right so we had to make different buffs and additions and things uh it was just a real challenging game <laughs> we were making borderlands one and we're, we're looking at these guns that have these stats and there's like when i started they want to show like 13 stats on a weapon you know what i mean and i'm like dude dude that's too much you know like that's just too much information because you've got an fps and you got a shooter right and you've got a uh, excuse me you got an fps and you've got an rpg sorry about that <laughs> and and you got to figure out the best of both of those and that's what the battleborn thing was it's like oh man you got these creeps or you got to move these things ahead and you got all these characters of different abilities so it was such a challenging game again it is my favorite thing i've been a part of so far in my career like as a personal thing maybe it's not it's not bl2 levels of like <laughs> you know but I'd say I'd say it was that game. No regrets at all, you know. Like, uh, and, and I think Gearbox. If you ask Randy right now, or any Randy Varnell, even who was the creative director of that project, I think they we'd all say the same thing. No regrets. It's very proud of what we made, and we know there was a community there. It just, you know, <laughs> wasn't as big as we wanted it to be. But you know, we 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 swung we swung hard. Uh, you, you know, you can't fault us for that. So this is a funny story. We had just got this super state of the art motion capture facility at Gearbox, and I was like, "That's cool. I don't want to use it. I want to keyframe everything. I want." And and I remember Randy just being like. All right, you know, obviously we used it for other things, but everything on Battleborn was all keyframe. They were lovingly crafted. Almost every character had a unique rig on it and, you know, unique animations and stuff. And it was just everybody just poured their hearts into those. Not not that any other studio doesn't do the same thing, but like, you know, living through that and uh, the challenges of that, it was it was a special, it was a special effort for sure. I remember when it was getting shut off of my, my son, who's now 11, we were like, we have to play this more. And we were playing through it and just playing the game up until the, <laughs> the plug was pulled. And, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it is what it is. So, so you've been working on games for a long time. We'll just say a long time for all the entire Borderlands franchise, Battleborn, the game you made with your friend, all of those. And now what you're working on at Ruckus, right? So were there things that you kind of observed in the industry or in your interactions with people in the industry kind of early in your career that you have 
carried with you that you like lessons that you remember that you now make use of in your current leadership roles like at Ruckus or even on later projects at Gearbox? Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely textbooks of sorts, right? There's definitely kind of like one plus one equals two. But what I've always found and, and what I've been very fortunate with that the people that have, have surrounded me and encouraged me and encouraged others around us is, is to really be I don't know, like a design from your heart, design from emotion, you know, and, and to follow gut instincts versus trends and stuff like, you know, we mentioned some of these games like Borderlands and Battleborn and, and stuff that we're doing currently at our new studio. And you can't just like point a finger that it's like, oh, it's and I love Halo, by the way. It's just Halo. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to stand out in that. And And I think that if all you're doing is trying to find a mixture for look we want to be successful you you want these things that you you need to make more than you spend obviously right <laughs> but like i i think to me it's just been like i don't know following following something that you're really passionate about like getting people together that are emotionally invested into something and not just mechanically invested and i think doing new things is, is hard, like in anything in life, right? Like people get that. But but I think those are those elements that where you grow. So I think that like, I try to lead in and work with other leaders and stuff that are really encouraging of creativity, that are really encouraging of experimentation. We, we have a term, well, I've said this for years, but we definitely say this with ruckus is, is fail fast. Like find the fun, like try a thing. This is kind of a little bit more antiquated in the way games <laughs> could could have been made. That was like I built this this design document in a lab by myself with like two or three people and said, "This is exactly how it's going to work." Now go do it. And then the designer and I, I haven't worked with anybody like this really, by the way. But like I've been in situations where it's like, "Well, we designed this like this. It should be fine." It's like, "Yeah, but you didn't prove it." You didn't put it into practice. It was a theory design. Like we use, or I like to use, like everything is a step towards completion, right? Like you you just can't, like we do everything in passes and it's like, get a baseline down and prove it. Okay, now do another level of polish and make sure that it's working, but don't do the final level. Like don't follow something to 100% completion when it's not tested, like don't fully finish a character and do the high poly and all the modeling and all this stuff. But then you realize it doesn't fulfill the, the requirements that we need for the thing, you know? So I, I don't know. Like I play something like tears of the kingdom and I'm like, oh, I don't even understand how this is feasible to even think to, to do it. But the only way that could have happened, I assume is by trial and error. Like, why not like to ask those questions and do that. And those are things that, you know, if all you do is look at the success of what somebody else did, the best you can ever do is replicate what they did. And, and some people do want that, but, but like, that just doesn't seem, I don't know, I guess I want more out of something, right? What are some team practices that you think are super important? Like, how do you go about actually leading teams and getting them to do what you want? Or are there things that you try to steer them away from? There is a time for blue sky. And there is a time for building. And everyone should be given, you know, this freedom to dream, <laughs> you know, but you can't dream forever. Because if you, I don't know how many people I've met, it's like, I got these ideas. It's like, cool, formulate them. Well, 
it's hard for me to finish something. Yeah, it is. It's hard to finish anything. You know, like it's, I tell people like, somebody's like, man, that game was kind of, kind of crappy or whatever, fill in the blank, whatever. And I'll be like, yeah. And you know, it was really hard to make a bad game. Like imagine making a good game. Like it's, it's super challenging. Like, it's just so like people have no respect. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, ah, that movie was awful. It was like, yeah, but you don't know the situation they were in. You don't know the, the the restraints. You don't understand the budget. You didn't know that they had they had to cut their develop their their shooting time in half or development time, however you want to say it. Like there is realities to these situations, right? And and that's why being <laughs> frosty enough to pivot and be be quick, you know, be clever. That's kind of our, the term I always say. Like be clever. Like don't try to brute force it. Like you can sometimes, but a lot of times you just have to go. Okay. I've got to do three things, but I only have the time to do two. Okay. Like prioritize, you know, or is it okay to make those three things not as high a quality, you know? And, and I think that's one of those things that like, no one likes to change. <laughs> no one likes to wake up in the morning and go, oh, I got a flat tire. You know what I mean? Like that sucks, but like, that's the reality of things. Right. So I think for me, people need to have their head in the sky. They need to dream. They need to have these ideas. They need to be documented, but we have to build these things. I think that's just kind of one of those, those things. Engage your team. Let them be a part of the discussion. Let them be in discussions that we do this. Let them be in discussions that they don't even know anything about, like an engineering discussion if you're an artist or something, because you might understand, oh, oh, <laughs> you might, oh, that's why the character doesn't move this way, because... I didn't understand that the rig or the requirements or the AI only allowed this to go like this. Meanwhile, oh, I have the inside of that. You can't know everything. Heck, I, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Like I, <laughs> I'm kind of good at a handful of things, but I'm not really good at anything. But <laughs> when you can connect the dots and get the best of people and let them dream and be themselves and put their heart into a part of it, but understand that their heart can't be in all of it. You're very visual. You can tell by the beautiful wall behind you of cool things, oh, <laughs> um, but also your, yeah, but also your incredible characters that I love so very, 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 very much. <laughs> My little Maya Ducky. Is there one visual element that you think is really, really important or essential for like all games that you've worked on or that you think is really important for all games, period? Yeah, this is kind of a cop-out question, but <laughs> it's not though. And I think it's all about art style. It's all about the malaise, the whatever, the the rules that pull the scene together. You know, the the reasons why you do this is, do you want it to be polygonal and sharp edge? Do you want it to be smooth and round? Do you want there to be a limited color palette? Do you want it to be lit this way or that way? Those rules, the art direction, the art style is is absolutely the thing that will hold those things together. I, I have a rule that co cohesion is better than quality. <laughs> and, and, I, and I understand people could go, well, don't you want it to be quality? Absolutely. But if a scene is cohesive and it all hangs together, many times, even if it's not, if it's done poorly, uh, or, or maybe poorly is the wrong word, but like if it's executed differently than like, there's nothing in my eyes that says a a single developed or a few people that made a tiny indie game still looks just as good as the huge AAA game if it's done. You know, it's just that it's a it's a different like I can still look at that and go Jet Set Radio 
looks as good, if not better, than God of War Ragnarok, right? Because the aesthetic made sense with the design of the game and the cohesion of the scene, and it created a feeling. And that, to me, is the most important thing. If it's Borderlands, obviously, it was the comic book, it was the ink style and stuff. And and if it was Battleborn, we kind of had a rule that the whole thing was 2D aesthetic meets 3D animation, you know? And, and like, that, as long as those things were hit consistently, it to me that helped with the thing it wasn't about that's the coolest looking character it's about all of the characters together and the picture that they build and sometimes you'd be like <laughs> these guys would have been joke people that i've worked with i'd be like if you're ever at a dead end add a skull or a sword and it's always gonna look cooler and this is totally true <laughs> but if every character has a skull and a sword and all of the elements that are cool it's fatiguing. Like I will never not say if a character has a chainsaw, that's cool. But if every character has a chainsaw, it's not really cool anymore. So you have to kind of understand that like you can't use every trick on every object. And, and, and this is a thing that is hard for people to understand is some things don't need to look interesting. (laughs) It's so that the things that do look interesting do. And I think it's it's kind of like, a, you know, you have the 70-30 rule where pretty much, you know, 70% of this, 30% of that, you know, in a scene. And if it's a desert landscape, 70% of it's probably kind of mundane, uh, but there's 30% of it that capture your eye and it makes the whole scene come together, right? So, like, there's always a balance and a ratio of, of things because if everything is 30 30 30 30 30 then it looks weird <laughs> like like it, it it it's all demanding the same amount of attention for me so art style and sort of rules and those things to me are what makes something look good that's that's regardless of your art style resident evil 4 a remaster is one of the most beautiful things i've ever played but i can still say signalis which is a, a lower budget you know smaller indie developed survival horror game is incredible looking too for its own reasons you know it's suit suit your look to the the content or the style of your game and and i think you'll find success you know that's really cool so you you would say that the forest for the trees is just as important right so like you want the individual to look cool you want everything all together to look just as cool yeah to me it's kind of like if there was a time where I felt like a lot of, uh, I'm going to pick on artists because I'm an artist. There was a time that <laughs> everyone wanted every object to be like its own portfolio piece, like, like, like this, this cup of bubbly water here. Okay. Like they're going to render this incredibly impeccably. Right. And it's got this super high res texture and it's got like a spec map and normal map and it's sitting on, and it's a thousand polys for some unknown reason because they want it to look good. And it's sitting on a table over here that is a 50 polygon table with the low res like stretched texture on it. And now I am completely taken out of the scene because this thing is so at a different level of quality and scale of the thing that it's on immediately immersive breaking. Right. And that's, that's kind of where I <laughs> like, and, 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 and it's things like that, that like, it doesn't just need to be raw horsepower. It just needs to be consistent and no one cares about the, the bot the cup unless your game is about (laughs) unless your game is about stacking cups or something right like to me it's about the scene it's not about the objects right so anyway fair so so in all of the times you went to school for commercial art basically right (laughs) 
yeah, I went to a community college and I got a two year degree. So that's that's what I did. No, nothing that's to do cool. with video games. You know, okay. So. Well, is there? I mean, obviously, it still led you in a really, really yeah. amazing path, right? Is there a skill that you like wish you had picked up or just something that you wish you had studied at any point in your career that you feel like would have really helped you? Like, is there something that you would recommend for people to learn? For me uh, now, I would absolutely say just 3D modeling, rendering, ZBrush things. I can kind of goof around with it, but like to me, whatever your discipline is, is being pretty well-rounded and understanding of these things, right? Because there's so much conceptual artists and stuff now that if they have a even not the greatest as a 3D modeler, right? It's just a great foundation to draw on top of or do something with. So to be well-rounded, to tinker, to understand the engine, to kind of know what its limitations are. And I would say, I would say that to anybody, you know, that like is interested in games is to focus on your your passion, but be understanding of the other elements around that. And, and that's something that I have <laughs> admittedly not the strongest... I understand how everything interacts and plays pretty well with each other. And I really can try to connect the dots between all the artists and the designers and stuff. But like, uh, yeah, just having a better understanding of, you know, honestly, unreal. We I've used unreal my entire career, but honestly, somebody could use unreal for a month and, and know more about it than I can at this point, because I've been so stretched all over the place, but it's always good to have uh, awareness and understanding of the things that are adjacent to your skill set. So cool. Speaking about learning things and, and getting inspiration, getting someone more experienced maybe to teach you stuff. Did you ever have someone like that that kind of took you under their wing and gave you really good advice or a, was just a really good example for you? Yeah, I think I think everybody's had people in their life, regardless, that have been very pivotal in <laughs> hearing something or changing their life or pushing them in a direction. I obviously had some teachers growing up that that did that there was a there was a guy that in college in a photography teacher that was profoundly impactful on I mean, his name was Stuart Beals I'm sure he no one would know who Stu is but he was an incredible guy that changed so much of the way I looked at the world and how I like presented things but you know as my career went on you know, I could talk about a handful of teachers all day. Mr. Hilders in uh eighth grade and ninth grade is an incredible guy Miss Silks in, in high school but they're all art teachers because <laughs> that was where my head was at. But like, as I got a little older in comics, there was a guy named Phil Hester. Uh, he still creates comics. People would know him. He drew what Kevin Smith was writing Green Arrow. Phil drew like 50 issues of Green Arrow with Kevin Smith. He's an incredible artist. He's incredible. He's from Iowa, another Midwest guy. And he just, he saw something in my art at a time when no one else saw it. I could only really get coloring work, but he really pushed to try to, none of our books came to light, but he believed in me and he, and he gave me a lot of confidence in, in my lines and what I was trying to do. He could tell I wasn't there, but he could tell I could get there. And I think having people that can encourage that it's, it's very rare. I'd say this with my own work too. Like when, if you see talent in somebody, you should try to help foster that with them. You shouldn't shoot them down. You shouldn't pick up the faults. You should encourage the strengths. But do honest critique, of course. But like, uh, like I, I think that's super important. And then at places like Gearbox, I mean, like Brian Martell, who I mentioned before, was a huge inspiration for me and a big influence artistically. He's a great guy. He's still in the games industry. He's doing this stuff. He's outside of Gearbox now. And, and Randy, for that matter, he saw something in me at uh, Pitchford. He saw something in me and really encouraged that. And I still have a great relationship with him, you know, for instance, too. So, like, 
yeah, it's just been, I've been very fortunate. There's been a handful of these people. My brother was huge an inspiration for me. I mean, he was the guy that was playing games before me. Oh, I want to do that. He was the guy that was riding skateboards before me. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, cool. He was listening to old school goth Bauhaus and the cure and stuff. When I was, and I was listening to that in like sixth grade, whereas other kids were listening to like new kids on the block and crap. So like there's, there's all these things <laughs> that like build who you are. So anyway, sorry, I'm getting all like, <laughs> go, go, going too far there so anyway no it's good so speaking of really good advice from really awesome people with a ton of experience do you have any advice for people that are interested in getting into the industry now whether they're students or you know kids in high school or junior high school or maybe even they're older and they've worked in other industries and they really have loved video games for a long time but they want to actually jump in and get a job it really is just about like what are you in? like just do it like get into it right if you want to be a writer write a story and if you go oh i can't write a whole story write a one page write a paragraph write a sentence do something i always tell people when i started drawing comic book pages i was so scared to draw a full page i started drawing panels and then i started taping them together and i and i made a page and realized oh it's not really about the full page it's about I mean, it is, but, but, you, you know, you want to lay that out, but, but like I had to start by tackling a little bit at a time. And then I saw a page and then that page turned into a few page story. And then it turned into a 22 page, you, you know what I mean? And I'll never forget this. There was a, it was during a BL3 event and this aspiring concept artist came up to me and she showed me this work and like oh would you look at this i was like oh yeah absolutely you know and i'm looking at her portfolio and i'm just like and i kind of and i'm like eh, i mean you know this is okay but like i feel like you're you're drawing what you think you're supposed to be drawing and she was like well i actually like drawing this and she showed me all these like very fashion forward and i was like why are you not showing me this because like this is what you actually care about like you like don't just do what you think you're supposed to do. I mean, yes, I do understand that there are certain barriers and things that need to be dealt with to get it, your foot into the industry, right? But like, if you're really interested in it and you want to do something with it, like build something or make something that is exciting to you, right? Like when, whenever anybody talks about the, oh man, Hollow Knight and these three guys, yeah, they cared about Hollow Knight. <laughs> like, and it's incredible, you know? We were just having discussions with Toby Fox and Undertale, or you talk about Stardew Valley, you talk about all these games that are tiny. Like, these people really cared, and they swam against the current, and they built what they wanted to build. And now look, for every limbo, <laughs> there's a billion other things that don't go anywhere, but that's true of everything, right? There's so many tutorials online for everything. There's so much insightful stuff. There's so much community out there. If it's on discord or is it somewhere like just plug yourself in and do it. And, and but also <laughs> this is a thing no one ever wants to hear. I sacrificed a lot of my life in fun things to be where I'm at right now. And I, and I didn't go do that cool thing with those people. I didn't go do this. I mean, I, you find your balance of course, but there are some times where you just have to do the work. Like, there's no way about it. Like, like you, you just don't get good. You know, like I am a firm believer that if somebody has an interest in something, they have an inherent quality <laughs> and that quality can be fostered, but it needs work. A uh, Brian Bacello, uh, Bacello, who is one of my favorite artists that, and, and like a Drew X-Men and all and steam steampunk, all this, all this awesome stuff. 
And every time he said it to draw a page, it was just hard. And he's so good. Like Mike McNola, Hellboy. It's like you look at his art and you're like, oh, well, that must he must fly through that. And he's like, every page is a mountain to climb. You, you know, I mean, Neil Pert, who was the, the percussionist, the drummer for Rush, it's like every performance is so hard for me because I put so much into the thing. And, and I think that's something people need to remember is like it, it gets easier but it's still hard all the time. I don't know. I just encourage people to go and, and do that and, and build something, whatever it is, tiny as can be, it will get bigger if you care. Speaking of learning and growing and moving forward, you are part of a whole brand new studio, Ruckus Games, right? And how did Ruckus Games come about? <laughs> so Ruckus kind of initially came about as a, uh, you know, I had done 15 years at, at Gearbox and some of the other guys, Carl and some of the other guys did. And there, there was just a handful of us that we worked together for a long time and we really liked what we were doing. But I think it, it kind of was like, you know, I've always wanted to try to do this on my own and to try to build something. Games, uh, big, big companies God bless them. You know, they're getting to a point, though, where there's 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 a lot of people that it takes to move the ship. And I think we got to a point where I was like, you know what, let's maybe we're totally full of it. But we think we could move the ship with a lot less people and do it cheaper and do something that was maybe a little more important to us at the time. And, and really, we just discussed that as a group. And we said, you know, I think I'd like to do that. Uh, and there was support from from Gearbox. I mean, there was this, you know, people are like, oh, that, we're, we're sad to see you leave. But like, you know, please follow your <laughs> follow your heart and your instincts. And, and we just decided that we wanted to create a place that was very developer first, very much focused on the developer and not just as a butt in a seat, you know, just as a, a, another individual to get something done. We just thought it was time to try this because if we didn't do it now, we might not have the, uh, an opportunity again to do to do so. Because regardless of how much you love a franchise or something, there are rules that come. I was the franchise art director for Borderlands when I left and there are things you can do and you can't do. And and that's good for a franchise, right? Like, I'm not dismaying that. But sometimes you get a little bit like, I'm pretty good at doing this, I think. But I'd like to do something else. And it just gave us an opportunity to do that. So that's that's kind of where it was born from in a lot of ways, if that if that's that makes so any cool. sense. So Yeah, so looking to learn and grow and have yeah, these yeah. new challenges. It, it actually was. I have no, de- <laughs> no offense to any other company. I had no desire to go to another studio or to go to a company. My only interest was to try to see if we could do something on our own. And, and that was that was where it was born from. That's so cool. Well, I know you guys are kind of heads down working on stuff, but is there anything you'd like to share about what's coming next for us? <laughs> yeah. Well, again, we, we can't really say anything in particular, but what we're really excited about what we're doing, what we can say in it because it's like on our, on our website. So I'm like, OK, to say it. We are we are working on a co-op game right now. It's a shooter. It's a third person shooter. Obviously, there's shooting, but we there's there's some other mechanics that are a little adjacent to that that we find really compelling. And if you if you look at the games that all of us collectively there's 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 14 of us right now, and actually as of next week there'll be uh, a few more of us here, so we'll be up to you know almost 18 people, uh, which is which is crazy. You, you know, we are excited about 
like if you look at the history of things that we've been a part of, they're they're usually this and this thing that have put together to bring a new thing together. We're really pumped about this concept of this idea. It actually funny enough is probably the most personal thing for me because it, it speaks to, well, I guess there could be, um, this is my uh, Phil Spencer. What's on Scott's shelf back here. Ooh, what's he teasing? If Eagle Eye people want to go through and look at all these random things, you could go, Oh, this is a, this is a, 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 all the junk that filled this guy's goofy head to do what he wants to do. But it's, it's really a love. It's a love letter to my youth. It's a love letter to a lot of things that like we all grew up with in, in different ways. And, Again, I can't like I can't really like get into anything specific, but like it's real fun. We play it almost daily. It's it's solid right now. It should Lord willing will only get better as we go. And it's just something we're really excited about. But it's a little different. <laughs> a little different style, a little different look, a little different gameplay, a little different experience. So uh we're excited to you know, when that time comes. I'm excited for it too. I want to get my hands on it now. <laughs> In the not so distant future, we we are going to be interested in trying to get other people playing our, our you know alphas and betas and that kind of thing. But again, it's a little it's a little ways off. But it we we very much believe in getting it in front of people sooner than like boxing it up and unveiling this magic something at the end. Like we 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 are excited about a community. We're excited about people influencing what we're building and getting inside the stuff from them. Again, we're a little ways off from that, but like we we will definitely boost that signal <laughs> when when that time comes. So awesome. Well I will keep an eye out. I definitely want to check it out for myself, but also I'm sure people will want to check it out. Gamers always appreciate the ability to give feedback that's meaningful. I yeah. think that's well, helpful. It, and when your team's real tiny, like, like yeah. we're so dumb, we decided not to hire a production so we could hire another concept artist. You know, that's the kind of thing that we're doing because we're all developers. Like, even Paul, who's the CEO, like, we're all building and we're he, he's implementing weaponry and items and stuff into the game as well as running the company, you know? Like, so, anyway, so... That's awesome, though. That's really cool. Well, okay, one last kind of just for fun bonus question. Just to show people that you're human, although I feel like it's been really clear this whole interview. <laughs> oh, I, I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> Developers are not robots. <laughs> what are your top five favorite games that you have played ever? This is a really difficult question, I think. <laughs> So this is really hard to put it down into that. But something I a disclaimer that I do have to say is just because I don't say insert Super Metroid, which I would consider to be the finest 2D game. It doesn't mean it's not one of the best games ever made, but this is my these are my my games, right? So okay, my favorite game of all time is Resident Evil 4. The the original. And Resident Evil 4 remake is basically tied with that. It is absolutely beautiful loving goofy weird all over the damn place and an anachronistic game that i've ever i love i love survival horror stuff though so those are things so resident evil 4 is one of them i've got like 70 copies of it of all different formats and stupid chainsaw controller and all that crap because like i love i love that stuff ocarina time uh zelda is my uh, my other but you can kind of say zelda and I know this is li- this is cheap because I could say Resident Evil and I could say Zelda, but like Ocarina of Time in particular was one of those games that when I played that game, everything changed. Like it was a watershed moment. Just uh, you know, it just it changed the, what I felt games could be. 
mountains. So Ocarina, but I mean, Tears and Breath of the Wild and Twilight Princess and Link to the Past. Again, this is another thing. Why isn't he saying Link to the Past? I love Link to the Past. It's probably a perfect video game, but I actually like Ocarina more because of what it meant to me when I played it. You know, so don't don't get the pitchforks out of me. All right, I'd actually say uh, Super Street Fighter Four. Street, I'm a big fighting game guy. Uh, Street Fighter 4, in my opinion, Street Fighter 4 is my favorite. But Street Fighter 2, when it came out in the arcade, it destroyed me. It like it, it wrecked me, you know. And it was like the, actually, here's a here's a trivia. The first character I ever drew as a fan art was Chun Li, and it was based off of she. And, and I main her to this day, by the way. Uh, I love that. I love this character. So, but Street Fighter has had such a huge impact on me. Fighting games, in particular, you could go down a lot roster of SNK and stuff. But I, but I will really relegate it to Street Fighter Four. Tetris is another one of those. Uh, all forms of thing. You know, it's kind of a cop out answer. But like anytime Tetris Effect, if you put that game in front of me. I will zone out the entire day. Incredible soundtrack, incredible game. Even Tetris Sphere on the N64, absolutely adore that game. I'd say the fifth one is probably Mario 64. Like Mario 64 was the embodiment. Again, that was another game that changed everything that I felt about video games, you know? So absolutely love the Mario. Like I, I kind of joke the holy trinity of video games is Mario, Metroid, and Zelda. Like there's this kind of triad of all of my favorite things. They, they've brought me so much joy and... And all I've ever wanted to do was, I've always been like, I don't care. I don't want anybody to know who I am. I don't care at all. But I do want them to be enjoy what I make. And if I can make stuff that gets people excited to do something or be somebody that they're not, like that's always been kind of like my mission. Because all I ever wanted to be was like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, you know, or I wanted to be a Transformer, or I wanted to be, you know, Solid Snake. I wanted to be Cloud. Like I wanted to be these people because they were aspiring, right? Like, you know, uh, whoever that character is for you, right? Like, I hope I can make a character like that, that brings joy into, into their life, you know, and, uh, and lets them kind of just, I don't know, have something fun (laughs) to escape to or enjoy for a a moment, even if it's just for a little bit, (laughs) you know, so. Well, thank you for making incredible characters and incredible games. And no. thank you so much for being on our little show. We really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your story. Sure. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to hear from little old me, you know. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rise Above. We look forward to bringing you more insider conversations with game industry leaders. If you enjoyed the listen, we'd love for you to rate and review the show. It helps so much. Please subscribe for future episodes. Check out our website at AscendantStudios.com to keep up with the game we're making and find us on all socials as Ascendant Studios. You can also sub to our newsletter, The Stand Up, to get bonus insights from the developers we talk to on this show and more. We'll be back soon with more insightful, one-of-a-kind conversations with some of the most experienced and successful game devs in the world. For now, this is Tess signing off.